Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The White House, you've seen it there in Washington, D.C. They had College Athlete Day. And College Athlete Day is when they bring in NCAA men's and women's national champions from Divisions 1, 2, and 3. You know, if they weren't invited separately, they're all invited on one big day. And the key to College Athletes Day is wearing a mask and standing six feet away from everybody. True story. In a world of COVID is over, they are still forcing people to wear masks. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, it's so good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Making people wear masks. No belief in science. Science is completely irrelevant to the White House. The Office of Legislative Affairs sending out the email invitation to members of Congress and includes logistical details as well as COVID protocols. Lawmakers are not required to receive a COVID test in advance of the event. They need to wear a mask and socially distance if they're unvaccinated. Fully vaccinated guests, it reads, are not required to wear a mask on the White House grounds. Guests who are not fully vaccinated must wear a mask at all times and maintain at least six feet distance from others while on the White House grounds. This is gross. The COVID emergency is over. There's no need for this. The six feet is a joke. The mask is a joke. The CDC told people that if you live in the New York area and you're dealing with the wildfire smoke and you wear a mask, it won't really help. The smoke particulates are five times larger than the COVID particulates, but somehow a mask will help with COVID? We're, we, we live in the upside down. What is it like to hate yourself so much that you'll subject yourself to this? That you'll think this is normal and rational. It's hate. Pure, raw, unadulterated hate. And that's what it obviously is from this DOJ towards Donald Trump. If you missed my conversation with William Jacobson, it's coming up. And then the part two of that is, of course, the double standard story, which don't get it twisted. That's the story. And I have got a comment or two. That's all coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. There's an expression when dealing with the government. They're coming at you. They're trying to prosecute you. They want to accuse you of something. You can beat the rap, but you can't beat the ride. Meaning they'll cost you the money. They'll put the squeeze on you. They'll pressure people. They'll ruin your life. I actually find it disgusting. And it's something that if I was president, I would work on changing. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. In the case of President Trump and this indictment, this 37 counts, 49 page indictment, there's only one question. Well, actually, that's not true because there's a real question about the double standard. And we'll get into that. But when it comes to the indictment for Trump, there's only one question. Can you beat the rap? Can you beat the rap. William Jacobson joins us right now, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I bring up to you, uh, William Jacobson, the idea that before we get to the the attacks on Trump, before we get to the no um, view of, of what Hillary Clinton has done, no conversation of Joe Biden, uh, Donald Trump has to get through this. So first, you looked at the indictment, the 37 pages, uh, or 49 pages of indictment, 37 counts. What does this indictment say to you? How bad, in your legal opinion, is it? 
Well, let's keep in mind it's an indictment. So it's the evidence or some of the evidence that the prosecutors presented to the grand jury. It's not all of the evidence. We don't know if the allegations there are true. These are prosecutors. Their goal is to get an indictment. So take everything that's in there as being subject to actual proof. So when they say Trump said something or did something, presumably they have a good faith ground for that. Uh, but that's not the whole story. And I think that's particularly true with regard to the obstruction of justice charges. What you have is a uh, small number of snippets of things that Trump said that really there's no context to them. And a lot of them are, well, what if we didn't comply? What if we didn't play ball with them? Is that obstruction? Is that a client asking an attorney for an opinion? What was the attorney's opinion? Did the conversation go any further? So uh, particularly as to the obstruction, the indictment, while it rings loudly, um, I'm not sure if there's how much there is to it. You'd have to hear the testimony. Uh, the most troubling part of it is they say they have a recording of Trump uh, acknowledging that a document he was holding had never been declassified. And they allege it was about battle plans to invade another country. People are speculating that's Iran uh, and that it was in some manner shown to people who were interviewing Trump. Uh, but it doesn't say in what manner. Were they able to read it? How close were they? So there's a lot there. There's certainly a lot there uh, that's shock and awe uh, and that takes this likely out of the realm of a hoax, out of the realm of Russia collusion. But how strong a case it is really remains to be seen. Uh, part of this, this back and forth was, uh, you know, before we get into certain parts of uh, how you beat this, that you have lawyers saying that Trump asked them to destroy documents, that you have them on the record in this in this indictment uh, saying that we were asked to do this as, as just as a conversation of that's a hard one to overcome. I assume that's a hard no. one to overcome. We believe that the lawyers made it up. No, I think the question is, what was the actual full conversation? Were they asked to destroy documents? Was it? a question that Trump asked. And certainly, you know, you could have a nod and a wink to do that. Did they actually do it? What was the conversation? So we only have little pieces. And again, it's probably enough to sustain the indictment, but whether it's enough to sustain a conviction, what did the attorneys think they were being told to do? Did they think they were being told to destroy documents? Or was this Donald Trump just being Donald Trump again? Uh, bragging about how, look, Hillary got away with it. Her people destroyed all 30,000 pages of documents. So I, I think that there's enough there to sustain the indictment, but we really need to know the full context. Uh, if Trump was suggesting that, if he was suggesting that documents be destroyed, did the attorneys actually do it? Is this more of an attempted in, uh, you know, uh, obstruction of justice as opposed to an actual obstruction of justice. There's a lot in the indictment about the moving of boxes. A tremendous of, amount. You know, uh, but there's no allegation in there that I recall. You know, it is 49 pages. I've read it multiple times, uh, but there's none that I recall that he had actual knowledge that there were documents in the boxes that were moved that were the subject of the subpoena.
we maybe he did. Maybe someone will testify to that. But the mere moving of boxes, while it certainly is suggestive of misconduct, doesn't actually prove that it was part of a plan to obstruct justice. So that's what I'm saying. This is an indictment that comes across as a very uh, public relations oriented document. They knew there would be you know, fury from Team Trump, from Trump himself, from Trump supporters. So they felt they needed to put more in there. But I'm not sure they've put enough in there to actually prove their case as opposed to getting past the hurdle of sustaining an indictment. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Let me share this with you. This is Congressman Jim Jordan uh, referring to the case as he has been uh, for a while now. uh, Navy versus Egan, 1988 uh, Supreme Court case. Uh, Listen to this on CNN. Again, Dan, the standard is the standard. The president of the United States, he can classify and he can control access to national security information however he wants. That's the standard. That's the Constitution. That's what the court said in Navy versus Egan, a 1988 case. I don't know how many more times I can say it. So if he wants to store if he wants to store material in a box in in a bathroom, if he wants to store it in a box on a stage, he can do that. That is the that that is just what the law and the standard is. So again, I think this just underscores how political this whole thing is jack smith i mean you know how political it is when they selected jack smith as a special counsel i actually said in a deposition with jack smith we deposed him on may 29 2014 because he was looking to prosecute people who were targeted by obama's irs people lois lerner was going after Sir. we can get into the conversation was jack smith uh, playing the part of Beria, show me the man and I'll show you the crime, just find anything as opposed to following the facts. But I want to go back to this first part. This What, what Congressman Jordan is is putting forth as, as an idea is that literally the taking of the documents is the declassifying of the documents, which is an argument that's that's been made. And it doesn't matter where he had the documents. You may not like it, but it doesn't necessarily make it illegal. From what Congressman Jordan is saying there, is, is that a defense? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that, and I'm not going to get out over my skis on that. That's a claim that has been made by the Trump side. There are other people who say that's nonsense as a matter of law and that the case that they cite really isn't on point. It's a different thing. So I don't know if that's valid, but there is supposedly a recording of Trump telling these reporters or people interviewing him that I've got this document. I could have declassified it, but I didn't. So I don't know how that's going to hold up as a factual matter, whatever the law is. Just getting back for a moment on this obstruction of justice, one of the key pieces of evidence in the indictment is an affidavit submitted by Trump's lawyer uh, with regard to the collection of records. And what the affidavit said is based on information provided to me, et cetera, et cetera. All documents have been diligently searched, et cetera. And they're saying that's a false affidavit, but they're ignoring the part of the affidavit that said, based on the information provided to me. Uh, if you're a prosecutor, if you're uh, you know, the D- Justice Department and a lawyer says, you, you ask for an affidavit of compliance with the subpoena and the lawyer says, well, based on what I've been told we complied, that lawyer may be actually making a truthful statement based on what that lawyer has been told, there's been compliance. 
Uh, why didn't the Justice Department go back to the lawyer and say, hey, this is not good enough. We need an affidavit uh, or a declaration by a person with knowledge as to what was done. So the key piece of evidence, which is a supposedly false affidavit, may literally be true that based on the information provided to the lawyer, there had been compliance. And so a lot of things in this affidavit, in the uh, indictment that sound really, really horrible may be subject to attack. There is, in your voice, in, in, in your conversation, talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, uh, check out his site, LegalInsurrection.com, and the foundations that he runs about educational freedom and critical race theory. You can find it all there at LegalInsurrection.com. There is, within your, your, your voice, uh, in, in your presentation, um, the belief that maybe this rap is beatable that possibly Jack Smith, the special counsel, what the DOJ put together was the very best they could put together. But the truth is, it's not enough. If you are Trump's legal team, you feel confident going into that courtroom. He's surrendering on Tuesday. He's going to go into that courtroom. And if you do, why did some of his legal team resign on the spot the minute the indictment came out? Yeah, I don't know what the reason for their resignation was, so I, I can't speak to that. Uh, and certainly what I'm saying is that the indictment, which as an indictment is taken as, you know, the, the God's honest full truth may not be. It may be a slanted presentation that's going to require the you know, judicial system and Trump's defense to point out whether it's accurate. So I'm not making a prediction as to whether he can or cannot beat these charges. All I'm saying is that people are taking the indictment as if it's, you know, the gospel, as if there's there's no way to challenge it. And a lot of these things just on their face seem very questionable to me. Uh, some seem stronger, such as the supposed recording of him admitting he's showing someone a document that's not been declassified. Some of them in the indictment come out as maybe not as strong as they're claiming. And to me, that's particularly the obstruction of justice charges. Let's get to something William Barr said, the former attorney general under Donald Trump, in his view, this is all really, really bad for Trump. Listen. Well, it started out under the Presidential Records Act and, and the archives trying to re retrieve documents that Trump had no right to have. But it quickly became clear that what the government was really worried about were these classified and very sensitive documents. I was shocked by the degree of sensitivity of these documents and how many there were, frankly. And uh, so the government's agenda was to get those, uh, protect those documents and get them out. And I think it was perfectly appropriate to do that. It was the right thing to do. Uh, and I think the counts under the Espionage Act uh, that he willfully retained those documents are solid counts. Now, I, I do think we have to wait and see what the defense uh, says and, and, and what proves to be true. But I do think that even half well, what Andy McCarthy said, which is if even half of it is true, then he's toast. I mean, it's I mean, that's a that, that's, that's a statement saying that a guy is is toast. Uh, the, the, the feel out there is that this is much much stronger of a case than than people thought it it would be. Are you arguing that, I shouldn't say it that way, um, on a scale of one to 10, what is the uphill battle that the Trump legal team has ahead of them? Yeah, I can't put a number on it, but clearly when you have the full force of the federal uh, Department of Justice coming after you, 
when they have uh, called witnesses before a grand jury, when they have made allegations that, as Bill Barr says, are very serious, you have an uphill fight in, for any defendant. Uh, you know, so uh, nothing I've said is a prediction of an outcome. It's really that there's a process that has to take place here. And that process will challenge a lot of the things that are in the indictment. And I think we need to, to let that play out. We should not take it as a foregone conclusion that the indictment is everything we need to know. We need to know more, like I've said, about these conversations. What else was said? We need and to even, know and more about bar. the moving of boxes and what did Trump know at the time the boxes were moved. We need to know what the, you know, the affidavit, how that came about. Uh, so there's, all I'm saying is this poses a very serious threat. I think I said that on a prior show with you, that two things can be true at the same time, and they appear to be true, that Donald Trump has been unfairly targeted for seven years by every level of law enforcement. They have subjected him to a scrutiny that really nobody else has been subjected to. They have been trying to find a crime that he committed. It appears that some of the things in the indictment were things they found out as part of their investigation. So they wouldn't have been known but for the investigation. And those are all true. It's terribly uh, unfair to our nation as a uh, as a society to have an individual targeted and have their life subject to scrutiny in search of a crime. At the same time, we live in the real world and we live in the reality that whatever the feds found by virtue of that politically tainted investigation, they found the evidence is going to be it. And some of it, and many people have commented on this, is that Donald Trump appears to have handed them what they've been looking for for seven years. So he, so he may to, have handed them an actual criminal charge here. Now, to to that end, uh, you know, and we did hear William Barr say, if this is true, if that is true, the other is true, I want to at least give credit where it's true. One of the other people indicted is a guy by the name of Walt Nauta, N-A-U-T-A, I believe I'm pronouncing it properly, uh, Donald Trump's valet. Uh, the whole purpose of indicting Nauta is to see how much pressure you can put on him, how much you could squeeze him to give up this, that, and the other. This guy is the sacrificial lamb to trying to get Trump. I mean, from an outsider looking in, holy cow, is that an ugly thing to do to a guy? Yeah, I mean, but that happens all the time in prosecutions, in investigations. They try to squeeze somebody. They try to tell them, look, you can either help us and tell us what you know, or you're facing 25 years in jail. And 99.9% .9 of people will succumb to that pressure. Happens all the time, whether it's good or bad, ethical or not, it happens all the time. It's the choice defendants have to make. So it seems to be, they don't really want to put, you know, Trump's body man uh, who moved boxes in jail. Uh, maybe they do want to, but that's not the point of this whole indictment. Mm -hmm. The point is to get him to flip to get him to uh, give them more than they already have. And the fact that they felt the need to name him uh, and to indict him and to try to flip him may be an indication they need a little bit more than they actually have. William Jacobson, LegalInsurrection.com. I always appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Now, uh, I continued the conversation with William Jacobson to really get into this double standard conversation because... Uh, you're, you're right. This is the sickest, most twisted part. So I wanted to ask William uh, his take, and then, well, I'll give you mine.
Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Two of my conversation with William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, involves the double standard. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Guys, it's good to be with you. You cannot have this conversation about the indictment of Trump, these 37 counts about the classified documents here, and you 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 had them uh, falsely there, and you tried to hide it from the FBI, and look at this. You were sharing documents, and there's, there's videotape and audio tape of you saying, look, this is classified. I shouldn't even be showing you this, but here it is. Um, as I've stated, I think that the uh, indictment is indeed damning. But as William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, has pointed out, there's real opportunity in here uh, for for Trump because there's a lot for the the prosecution, the, the, the country, if you will, the state to have to prove. But I think that's the story. Why is Trump having to be the guy who's indicted and Hillary and Joe Biden? Well, Joe Biden isn't even investigated. Hillary isn't indicted. It's that double standard. That has many of us disgusted. So I started by asking William Jacobson exactly his thoughts on this. You know, it's it's interesting listening to you in 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 this, and then we have spoken many times over the years. And one of the reasons I talk to you is that you're you're a fair arbiter of what's actually happening. And there are times you will demure and be like, "I can't answer that that question." You are the first person I hear to paint a much possibly rosier opportunity for Trump uh, than, than others we, we've heard out there and where some of the issues in this may uh, may lie. That is not to say that the indictment in and of itself isn't problematic for Trump. It is. I would say that. I think that that's clear because it's an in- indictment. But for many of us, it has been the conversation of Trump gets indicted, but Hillary didn't. Hillary's case was a case, according to James Comey, then FBI director, no reasonable prosecutor would go after. We have these allegations regarding Joe Biden. This is this is incredible stuff. Five million dollar bribes and what we know from the Hunter Biden laptop, et cetera. And we don't know if we're going to get an investigation at all. It is this double standard conversation. I hate to use a term so cliche, but there is no better term for it, sir. It is this double standard conversation that has people absolutely apoplectic does the doj give any rationale that is acceptable in your view and your legal view about why yes here and why no here i don't think they feel the need to give the explanation Uh, and legally i'm not sure they need to give an explanation the fact that you were pulled over for speeding but there were three other people on the highway speeding even faster than you are doesn't exonerate you it's that may be a political defense and Trump may get a lot of political mileage, and it appears he is, through this double standard argument. But I don't think in court that really makes the difference. The, you know, They're either going to prove their case that he committed the listed crimes, or they're not. The fact that somebody else may have done that is really a political matter. And let me be clear, uh, James Comey choosing not to prosecute or go forward with the prosecution of Hillary both at the time and certainly in hindsight, is really hard to explain. Uh, Just the other day, I went back and I reread the transcript of his, I think it was July 5, 2016. And he spends, and I remember watching it at the time, we all were watching it. He spends 19 minutes explaining how, what she did was deliberate, how what she did was sloppy, it was negligent, it was reckless, 
Um, she was using a personal server that was likely subject to surveillance by foreign governments when she was traveling. Her, her email account through that private server for government business, how a lot of her excuses for what went on didn't hold water. And everybody's waiting for him to say, OK, now you're going to finally prosecute her. And at the end of the day, he says no reasonable prosecutor would bring the case. And part of those factors is he it, it was in the middle of a campaign season. It was in the middle of a presidential election that has to weigh on a prosecutorial discretion. And I think the same is true here, that this we are not quite as deep into the season as when the Hillary decision was made. But we're in political campaign season. And I think that the question needs to be, um, was there any real damage to national security from this? That may not be an element of the crime, but it certainly needs to enter into prosecutorial discretion. There's no allegation that any of these documents, which were kept in boxes that tipped over and on stages, and actually fell into enemy hands. There's no allegation that there was an actual harm to national security from this. What the allegation is, is that it put national security at risk. And that might be true. And again, actual damage to national security may not be an element of the crime, but it certainly should enter into a prosecutorial decision when you're going after the leading candidate yeah. of one major party who is a former president, and you're going to have a massive interference in the election in ways we can't even really predict right now. It may help Trump. It may hurt Trump. It's certainly going to be a factor. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to hurt other Republican candidates whose attempts to get noticed are being drowned out by the media around this, being drowned out by Republican rally around effect. So this has enormous implications for this, our presidential election. And in that circumstance where you're not alleging actual damage to national security, I think that should have factored into the prosecutorial decision to move forward. William Jacobson, as always, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. Legalinsurrection.com. The, the take on the double standard. Um, I, I can appreciate how William Jacobson uh, put it forward. Allow me to go about it a little bit differently. Of course it's disgusting. Of course you've noticed. And of course you should do something about it. Of course it's disgusting, of course it's noticed, and of course you should do something about it. There is nothing more twisted than what we have seen. The abuse at play, the idea that you can take one person from one political party and decide they get destroyed by the machine, but another person from another political party and they don't have the same treatment that is not america anymore that's something fundamentally different and while i don't disagree with william jacobson that someone can get pulled over for speeding and someone can't when they're both speeding that's true but not everybody has the opportunity to steal government information. Not everybody has the opportunity to hold classified information. And not everybody set up an email server to purposefully evade congressional oversight. The point I make is very simple. 
that if you think that Hillary Clinton did nothing wrong and Donald Trump did, you need to give up the concept of being an American because you don't believe in it. I didn't say you didn't like Hillary more than Donald Trump. I didn't say you didn't like Hillary's policies more than Donald Trump's. I didn't say you wouldn't vote for Hillary over Donald Trump. All of those things are completely and totally fine. But if you believe there should be a rule, a set of rules for Trump and how he is prosecuted and no set of rules for Hillary Clinton, everything she does is fine. You've given up the very concept of being an American. You're just bad people. We're not going to agree to disagree. If you want me to say it to you nose to nose, pick the street corner. We are through the looking glass, and if we are going to do anything to get the country back to some level of square, we have to be clear about these things. You are an unserious person, not a believer in America or the American ethos. You are a believer in authoritarianism. You are a believer that all the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. You believe that when you do it, it is moral. When somebody else does it, it is evil. And you believe that the ends justify the means. That's not living under the rule of law. That's not American. So give up the ghost. Give it up. If you are a believer that when Hillary does it, it's fine, and when Trump does it, it's a crime, you're not interested in being an American. Why can't we just say so? Why can't we just say so? Well, I just did. And I think you should too, because it has to be said. Now the question is, what do you do about it? Ah, so what do you do about it? I get people who, who, who reach out to me all the time you know, I've got I've got my own level of trolls on, on, on social media and then emails. And then I've you know, I've got you know eight three three got Tony. Eight three three four six eight eight six six nine. And people can leave messages there all the time. I've got the, this dude. I I've I've got a few of them. They leave like five, six messages a day. A day. I I you don't think I'm actually listening to that, do you? You're not somebody engaged in a comment. You're engaged in 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 a, in a level of a, pseudo-intellectual thinking. B, you won't come on air and, and and have the conversation. We take the phone calls. I mean, I don't take phone calls often, but my gosh, you can call in. You just leave the messages. It's totally weird. Uh, and, then, and then number three, you believe because you feel it that you're right. And the election is the example. I have people who call me all the time. Tony, you don't understand. The election was stolen. You don't understand. The election was stolen. We don't have we don't have elections in America. And you can't do anything till you fix that. Well, here's the question. How do you fix it? The answer, and the only answer is you fix it by running elections, engaging elections the way the left does. If they ballot harvest, you ballot harvest. If they ballot cure, which means somebody forgot to put the date on the ballot, so you go back and find them and have them date the ballot, you do the curing of the ballots. Everything the left does, you do, and you do it in double and triple measure. And that's how you fight back. They want to fight dirty. Of course, all this stuff is nonsense. Mail-in voting and everything else, of course it's garbage. You do the same. They've got 200 lawyers ready to go on election day. You have 2,000 lawyers ready to go on election day. You do not stop fighting. But of course, it's about voting. That's step number one. You have to win elections in order to fix things. 
So go about winning the election. But when you scream the elections are fixed, you sound like a holy damn fool and you prove you can't do anything. I'm not interested in the people who want to scream about, but we the elections are fixed. You either go about winning or you go about dying. That's the reality. So why don't you go figure it out? I believe in winning. Second is I believe in response, not revenge and not retribution, but response. And when Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell lie about Russia, Russia, Russia for four years, they shouldn't be on any committees. Why hasn't the Republican Party moved to get rid of them, to take them off of committees? Why hasn't the party moved to take Cori Bush off of committees? And you say to me, Tony, what does Cori Bush have to do with this? And the answer is, Cori Bush actually doesn't have anything to do uh, with this part of the conversation right now. Cori Bush does have to do with making the claim that all Republicans are racists. And if we're going to have somebody making a claim that if you disagree with me, you're a racist, you don't get to be on a committee. Republicans don't believe in banning gas stoves. They're costing American lives off committees. Because there has to be a standard for how we engage and how we act. There has to be a standard for how we talk to one another and what happens when you engage in nonsense, lying, bigotry, hate, and division. And the response is, if you look, if you want to disagree about gas stoves, that's one thing. If you want to say you're killing children off committees. And if Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff want to lie to America and divide America about Trump and Russia, making claims as Schiff did, uh, that he's got proof of what uh, uh, Trump did, no more committees for you. And then you have to win the House again and keep them off the committees. Let them run for Senate. Nothing you can do about that, but you keep them off committees. You have to win elections. You have to respond in kind by ensuring that the decency is returned. My father has a theory that when Democrats start seeing that 700 million people voted in America, they'll stop cheating. His point, his argument is not that, you know, we don't have 700 million people in America, of course. It's that if we're going to see this kind of abuse, well, you have to have a system that is so abusive that everybody says, okay, okay, let's, let's stop it. I don't actually think it gets to that place. I think you just fight the fire with the fire. That has to happen. And when Republicans have power, you have to rip apart the DOJ and you have to rip apart the FBI. Don't tell me about these long-term people. They all have to go. Because if we've seen anything, we have seen, we have learned, we know for a fact when we put our heads to the pillow that there is a deep state, that it is very real. And once you win... They have to go because they are the ones who don't believe in our America. They're the authoritarians. They're the ones who believe all the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. And they cannot be near power ever again. And the only way to make that happen is to win. I'm Tony Katz. So it looks right now like there will be no controlling of these wildfires anytime soon. That's at least how I'm reading it. 
that when you take a look at what they've got, what they know, and there doesn't seem to be anything that says, oh, yeah, these wildfires will be will be absolutely uh, done and, and complete in just a matter of days. There are rains that have taken place, right? Quebec fires weakened by rain as blazes in Western Canada force many to flee. Yeah, that's, that's different than being under control. That doesn't seem to be the case. These wildfires are going to rage. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Is it terrorism? Is it are they perfect, purposefully being lit? Maybe. There's certainly more and more conversation. They do have arson investigators on the scene taking a look at that. Is this because Canada has horrific forestry uh, rules and forestry management allowing too much brush to survive and grow unchecked? And when a fire comes, it just burns everywhere. Also possibly worthy of, of, of taking a look. So the, ca- the Canadian wildfire fire story is going to stay. The China has a base on Cuba and is spying on the United States is the story you always knew was happening, but you didn't know until you knew. But you knew it. And the, the question is, what do, we, what do we do with it? And, and I'm there. Barge in the water playing nothing but Beastie Boys and Kiss all day, all night, all the time. That's, that's what I would do. That's how I would handle it. That's how I would handle it. I would go full Tokyo Rose. I'd be doing propaganda into Cuba all day. For, force them to crack. Don't treat China well. Don't treat the communists well. Don't be crazy. And as for the indictment, um, William Jacobson's take is certainly interesting. It's a rosier picture that I've seen others paint. Uh, I think I think that there is an uphill climb here. I think it'd be foolhardy to think it otherwise. But that doesn't mean you don't climb the hill. What will happen? I don't know. And what will happen with the election? I don't know. We'll go through it in the days ahead. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.